In this episode of Halftone Takes, I talk a lot about the inspirations behind my tabletop RPG, Enter the Survival Horror, a time I made Corey watch The Lord of the Rings in college, and the excellent website, Does the Dog Die? And somehow, we completely fail to do bad impressions of the RE1 voice cast. Welcome to Halftone Takes, high contrast conversations where we zoom out to see the bigger picture. I am one half of the host, Corey Revis, aka Plantern Man, and this <laughs> is... Hello, I'm the other co-host, a skeleton just waiting to hatch, Adam Bucheri. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> What's a Plantern Man? Uh, I don't know. I <laughs> I was thinking of something with peanuts because I like peanuts. <laughs> so yeah, it's if uh, Mister Peanut was a Green Lantern, which let's face it, he probably is in canon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, it's good. It's good. It it, it counts. Yeah. <laughs> what are we up to today? Oh well. Ah, uh, if uh, you're listening now. We are in the first week of October, you know, spooky, scary, spooky, scary land. Absolutely. The, the most wonderful you know, time of the year. <laughs> the werewolf bar mitzvah buffet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you never heard that before? Oh, no. Werewolf bar mitzvah is a Were- <laughs> Werewolf bar mitzvah. Spooky, scary. <laughs> Boys becoming men. Men becoming wolves. Yeah, that's extremely good. But <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not talking about that. Um, so we got uh, October is obviously spooky, scary uh, time, and there's a lot of spooky, scary stuff coming out. And since horror is just making a huge, I don't know if you say comeback, but we're in a golden age, I'd say. Yeah, and that's good. Um, that's good for a lot of people. Um, particularly this, this, this guy right here, the other guy, not me, uh, the other guy, (laughs) you're a big, you're a big, uh, horror fan. I take it. This is correct. Uh, I love horror media. I love, uh, scary movies. I love scary games. Uh, I, of course, my flagship tabletop game is Enter the Survival Horror, a tabletop RPG inspired by... Resident Evil. Oh, well, what do you know? What a coincidence. (laughs) That is what I want to talk to you about today. (laughs) So, yeah, uh, being the Capcom fanboys that we are, we all we're kind of on like two (laughs) sides, two different sides of the the Capcom uh, fan fanboy ish like place, I guess you would say. Like, we'll talk about what I like later, but you are a huge Resident Evil fan. And, you know, I don't want to do the normal, you know, what people like to say is, oh, what's your favorite? What's your not favorite? Because it's always the same answer. It's right. either Res- Resident it's Evil It's Resident 4. Evil Zero and the <laughs> Dark Side Chronicles, the light gun game for the Wii. Those are that actually existed? pretty okay. <laughs> what? 
Okay, yeah. Um, those plus Resident Evil 4 or Resident Evil 7 is like, oh my god, it's the best ones. And Resident Evil 6 is always the, the worst one. If you ask the majority of people. Mm-hmm. So, I want to get into more interesting conversations yeah uh with the franchise itself um because yeah i if you know anything if you're uh, a listener um you know that we kind of structure it with three parts like three questions three statements three whatever yeah just as like a broad overview yeah so my first kind of question for you anyway (laughs) um and i'm very interested to hear this is what do you think makes uh, the Resident Evil franchise appealing overall and to you personally? See, I think this is a really interesting and a really big question. Uh, First of all, before we go any further, I do want to say that, uh, you know, I do love this series, uh, as can be evidenced that uh, fairly recently I was on the Franchise Festival podcast, which if you're not familiar, that is a podcast that like, goes through every entry in a franchise. So their first season was covering The Legend of Zelda, and their second season, which they're on right now, is Resident Evil. And I was invited to the Resident Evil 7 episode and talked for over three hours about how (laughs) that is one of my favorite games. So if you want more of this... It's available. Uh, and if you don't want more of this, don't even don't even listen. If you don't want more of this, then I'm sorry because <laughs> because I don't know how I don't know how this episode is going to go particularly, but I know how that episode was and that was extremely nerdy. Well, sure. It's it's explicit. It's an episode for fans. It's an episode for yeah. people who want to to go into it. And you know, not everyone on that episode uh, has it as their favorite entry. Again, they're covering, you know, the entire franchise. So, you know, there's going to be high points. There's going to be low points. But um, I, I do think that I feel really good about that episode. I feel like we did a good job and we talked about some really interesting oh, parts of it. it. Um, I really enjoyed it. I And you know me. I am not the horror fan. <laughs> correct. Um, I, we recently talked a little bit, like, outside of uh, the podcast. And I was like, you know what? Over the years... I just realized that I'm just not a fan of horror movies. I'm just not a fan of horror as a, as a genre. And that doesn't mean I think it sucks. It's just, I'm like, I don't get excited and that's okay. And so when people are like, Oh my goodness, (laughs) in VR, I'm like, please, (laughs) please. Nope. (laughs) Put it on. I'm good. Let me play it on. A, a VR system that I own, you cowards! Like, no, no. Ugh, so I'm, cranky I'm about that. I'm salty. Uh, yeah, I know. We, <laughs> we went on a rant about. It. So <laughs> I was uh, like, "Nah, man, I'm good. So, I, I'm totally good." <laughs> so again, this podcast is largely like a formalization of uh, phone calls that we've been having for the last decade, and I would say that like the top three conversations that come up are. DC cop like it's it's basically we're getting the the stuff out of the way early. We talked a lot about musicals. We talk a lot about DC comics. We talk about a lot about Bloodborne. That's definitely going to be an oh, episode man, of the that's future. Coming. That'll, uh, that'll be coming. And I talk a lot about Resident Evil. So Corey's heard a lot of these opinions, but like I'm always <laughs> thrilled to to get into the weeds. So wrapping yeah. around to uh, question one, which was what's the appeal of the franchise, and I think that's. 
a difficult question because more than almost any other franchise that I can think of, you know, this is a long running thing. There are tons of games in this and it has changed and evolved with the times in such a way that I think that there are lots of fans from different eras who love it for different reasons. In a way, it's kind of like Star Wars fans where, Mm -hmm. you know, there are fans of just the prequels and there are fans of just the shows and there are fans of just the original trilogy. And I, I think that's also probably true with Resident Evil where there are fans of just the old original PlayStation games and there are fans of just kind of that action middle with like four, five and six. And there are fans of uh, the most recent, you know, I would call it the the Resident Evil Renaissance uh, that we're in the middle of right now. I mean, I know that's true. I mean, if I could just interject a tiny bit, but I, I know that's also true for uh, gameplay wise too. Yes, with Resident Evil, absolutely. I I didn't realize so many people loved the original fixed camera. Yeah, because that added to the gameplay itself. And with me, I've played a I played a couple of Resident Evil games, and I hate the fixed camera. <laughs> yeah, and I thought I was like in the majority, but I'm actually in the minority. I oh, think I think it's starting no. to level out a little bit. It's it's but, a vocal minority that that yeah. is a, a big fan of those original ones. I think m- your your average fan definitely prefers the the modern 3D camera controls. Okay. But um, but yeah, like I think that. The more accurate thing to to say is like there is some virtue to the to fixed camera controls being able to like deliberately compose a shot um, can definitely add to the atmosphere, can add to the presentation, can make it feel more cinematic. Um, but at the same time, it's, uh, you know, it's just nice to have a modern control scheme. People are used to how games control now. And so uh, I certainly can't begrudge anyone who who has preferences. Well, tank the tank controls didn't help, but the tank's controls were needed. I mean, back in that day, so yeah. Um, you know, I am I I've I've come to peace with tank controls. Uh, I don't love them; they're not my favorite thing in the world, but they do serve a function and they do add to an atmosphere. So mm-hmm. I can appreciate them, even if I ultimately prefer something like the the resident evil 2 remake or resident evil 7 uh in my hands okay oh well um first first thing first i want to say can you because i just thought of this can you explain briefly what tank controls are because people really know what fixed camera is but it's just literally the camera's fixed and you go through each scene where the camera can't, you can't move the camera anywhere. Sure. For, but, for you youngins who might be unfamiliar with it, um, what we're talking about when we say fixed camera is that the PlayStation 1, due to technical limitations, just didn't have enough horsepower to render the entire environment in 3D. So similar to like the old Final Fa- the old PlayStation Final Fantasy games, they would use a pre-rendered background. So uh, a very high resolution for the time, you know, high fidelity, static image. And then, but it was just a background painting. You know, it wasn't actually 3D geometry that could be interacted with. And then the character would kind of be pasted over it, creating the illusion of uh, a very highly detailed background, which allowed for very deliberately composed and kind of cinematic still images. Um, But the problem is that because you have a character, let's say that you're, Uh, moving your character to the left 
and you do that, but then the camera changes, and thus what left means in that context also changes. And so that was a, a problem for the developers at the time. So their solution was like, okay, you're going to hold down a button and that moves your character forward in relationship to that character. And then if you press left, the character turns left regardless of the orientation of where they are facing right now. And as a result, it's kind of like controlling like uh, an RC car, you know? You've got like a little, you've got like a gas pedal and then you've got a steering knob. But um, for people who grew up with modern consoles and modern control schemes, like that can feel very disorienting, very clunky. Uh, you spend a lot of time turning. Uh, it's not very responsive. And while you could argue that like, ah, this doesn't feel good. Like I want it, you know, I'm used to Devil May Cry and how snappy that is. <laughs> Uh, which too fast, too furious. Uh, uh, uh. Interesting. Like a fun fact is that the Devil May Cry series started as Resident Evil Four and then got spun off into its own thing. So like, there's a lot of Resident Evil DNA in it. It's uh, yeah. but the point. I mean, it's Cap. It's Capcom permeating everything with everything. It's what they always do. Resident <laughs> Evil Four specifically, like, was such a uh, foundational change that it spun off like three separate franchises from it. It's mm -hmm. it's pretty wild. Uh, but anyways, um, the, the benefit of tank control is, like, one, you can get used to it. Like, you really can. It's okay. You'll figure it out. But two, because you're kind of clunky, it creates the, the sense of, like, fumbling with your keys in a horror movie. So it makes it more deliberate. It makes it so that you have to be really mindful of like the spacing between you and your enemies because you are not that agile. You are vulnerable uh, because you are not super mobile and you really have to like plant your feet, take your shots, know when to stand and fight and know when to run. And that's really fun to me. So like uh, the main question is like part of the appeal. And I, I don't think I can answer that question for everyone because I think that again, the series is too big for there to be any one answer but for me yeah. that is a big part of the fun is um kind of knowing it's it's gameplay on the knife's edge of fight versus flight yeah it well and it slows the game down too it does it's not like so much a twitch based thing it's more of a like you said a deliberate action okay I, I'm in a I'm in a situation where I can't really just dodge out of the way. I have to back up, <laughs> and it's not back up fast. It's back up slowly, and even then, that is not a natural human response. So people don't usually think that you back up that way. Usually, it's turn around and run instead of back up slowly. And because I noticed that about the old games and stuff like that, where people don't. In the newer games, you don't back up. You kind of just turn around and run. Yeah, you, you have considerably more mobility, and the enemies thus have to change in response to that. Like, there's always this push and pull in design. You know, what the character is capable of directly informs what the enemies are capable of in order to counter that. You know, if you had, like, Resident Evil zombies, but you controlled, like, Doom 2016, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, they would be the least scary... Stop. Stop enemies everything. in the world you know you would just be so incredibly powerful so 
matching those two things in order to create a very deliberate experience is a huge part of the appeal to me. Um, I love in Resident Evil 4, even though it changes the camera perspective and it changes how you interact with the world, you still have to plant your feet. And it's so it, it retains a lot of that tension of like choosing when to stand and fight versus choosing when to run and being able to just like backing up a few paces as a viable defensive option. You know, there's someone who's winding up for their swing. It's very kind of like Dark Souls with like very slow, deliberate, obvious windups mm-hmm. that give you enough time to anticipate and counter. And so, yeah, you see someone start to wind up and you just slowly take a couple steps back and there you go. Now you're now you're OK. You're doing good. That's that's very I know that's very prevalent in Resident Evil 4. I'm just thinking about it and just watching like reliving you myself watching you play through the game because that's what we used to do. When we were younger, mm. I would just watch him play video games all the time. A lot. Like he would just do playthrough stuff, and I would just comment and crack up when he died and all kinds of fun stuff. It was a great time. Not for him, but it was a great time. <laughs> and um, I remember when I finally played Resident Evil 4 myself, while it is a great game, it frustrated the hell out of me because I wasn't allowed to move when I made like actions when I aimed or when I shot things. Correct. Here's the thing about this game that I know why they did it because it's a good game design, but I don't like the game design because things run at you. They beeline towards you. And some of these things are literally one hit kills. So I'm like, if I mess up, I'm screwed. (laughs) If I miss my shot, which I'm not a good shot, I'm not a good video game player. I'm just going to say that. (laughs) I'm an average guy. So I'm like, I'm not hitting shots all the time. I'm wasting ammo. I'd rather just roundhouse kick people because that, at least I know that works. Mm -hmm. But when that chainsaw guy is coming at you, he's like, um, yeah, you better do something. Oh, and by the way, what hit is not going to take me out? You're going to have to hit me a couple times. And even that, I'm, I still might get to you close enough that I might cut your head off. And I'm like, damn it. Like, come on, man. So <laughs> let me move. So I genuinely, I think that this is a matter of expectations. Um, yeah. I think that's a, a totally fair perspective if it doesn't vibe with you. But I think that also if you know what you're getting in for and you understand what the game is asking of you, I, I actually think it's extremely fair. So, well, well, that's that's why I said I know I know the game design. I know it's really good game design. I just don't like the game design in that game because it's not how I like to play. Um, but I know that it's that is totally my fault. That is not the game's fault. I'm like, yeah, this is just how the game is, and this is just how you have to play. It's it literally you have to slow everything down, which. You know, well, again, to, to be fair with the, that, the way like... that the enemies are designed to match the player and their capabilities, like, yeah. yes, they do run at you, but it's it's very deliberate. They don't run all the way. They get about 20 feet away from you, like at a sprint, and then they slow down to a walk. And so you, you know might that get true. a big crowd of them and they're going to, like, gather around you quickly 
but they don't all they aren't all going to be on top of you quickly. It gives you enough time and enough space to like prioritize your targets. And then for uh, the chainsaw guy, who's great. I love the chainsaw guy. <laughs> you know, uh, a one hit kill in games is frustrating, but I think he's one of the, the best executions of that because he is so telegraphed. He makes a very loud, distinct noise and moves deliberately and consistently. He's got a clear silhouette. You know where he is and where he's coming from. And so it gives you enough time to adapt and react to it. So instead of being like something that comes out of nowhere, you always have a sense of dread when he's around and he instantly becomes a high priority target. Yeah, the high priority. Because I I noticed that about, you know, just me playing that, like going back to when I played it. And I played it on the GameCube too. But (laughs) like... Yeah, it's just as soon as I heard that, I was like, I don't care what anybody else is doing. I got to know where this guy is coming from and I got to take cover so I can pop this guy before he gets me. Yep. Because that was the one thing that scared the crap out of me in that game specifically. And I learned to get over it. But every time I was concentrating, something would kill me from the back. Something would sneak up on me. And I'm like, okay. I have to like put my back to a wall or something because I keep getting snuck up on. <laughs> so, but again, the enemies do such a good job, like with little barks and little vocalizations that, like, yeah. I I'm willing to bet that you were given a warning that there was a person behind you, uh, well, it, but you might not just yeah. have, you know, had the the tools Registered. or the the vocabulary, you know, so to speak, uh, well, it to recognize at the time when there was multiple enemies to think about. Yeah. And then I was like, nah, there's, I, I got all of them. I know where all of them are. And then, you know, ah, fall <laughs> over. And I'm like, oh man, <laughs> where'd you come from? So to, to answer your question about like, what's part of the core appeal of these games for me, it is, uh, and it varies from game to game, but what we're talking about is one of my favorite things about it, which is spinning plates giving me multiple problems that I have to worry about and deal with at once and causing me on the fly to have to like change my priorities, switch from fight to flight and uh, uh, adapt to changing situations. I find that really cool and fun and engaging. And you find, and you think that uh, Resident Evil as a franchise does that very well. It depends on the entry, of course, but like my favorite okay. entries, yeah, I think do it really well. Um, the other favorite part of it, another part of the core identity of the series to me is resource management. I you, you can pretty directly tell which games in the franchise that I like the most, depending on how much I have to think about my inventory and my resources. Like that is a big core part of the appeal to me. I like having to make difficult decisions. I like having to prioritize one thing over the other. I like having to... So, like, a classic example that's found in, like, Resident Evil 1 and Resident Evil 7 is I have a limited number of inventory slots, and I've just gotten a couple new guns, but the guns take up a lot of space. So it's like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take my shotgun. I'm going to load it up to full. I've got four... Four shotgun shells, you know, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to put the rest of my ammo away. 
And between now and the next checkpoint, I have four shotgun shells and I have to hope that that's going to last long enough or that I will find more along the way because I cannot use that inventory space right now. And that's like really cool to me. It makes me count my shots. It makes those shots precious. And I don't know. I I just find that so much more appealing than like uh, a Resident Evil 6 where you're never really in meaningful danger of running out of ammo you know you might have to you might run out of this one thing and you have to switch to another but it's always just a button press away and there's not like a ton of consideration uh to it i like having to make difficult trade-offs yeah that's i've always found that's really cool in the franchise as well um uh my favorite uh resident evil current favorite i guess you could say is resident evil remake 2 uh, mm-hmm. i mean to resident evil 2 remake <laughs> um i really really enjoyed that game i didn't think i would enjoy it as much as i did yeah um and i was like wow this is actually the resident evil that if they made all the games like this i would be all about it because this is the type of like gameplay in Resident Evil that I really like. And one of those things is the resource management where I could slowly make my resource, like my like supply packets more. Um, and, you know, the difficult, when you up the difficulty, you just have less space. And I'm like, this ups the difficulty by so many levels because now I can't carry as much. And everything takes so much room and um like you said with like the shotgun and everything i was like man i can't even keep this like you know oh what what was it the like the grenade launcher or something mm-hmm. if you put it all together if you got all the like little pieces it took up like two force like like a half of your like your space yeah and the like, launcher takes up two spots and then you need extra slots for ammo and like and i was like this is dumb i'm taking this apart and i was like you're meant to do that, but I like that you have to, like, think that way. Where it's like, you know, you could have better accuracy if you wanted. Or do you just want to have it on you just in case? And me, being, the, like, the, you know, the, the turtle that I am, where I'm like, nope, nope, I ain't gonna be caught off guard. You ain't gonna get <laughs> me. I, I kept everything that I could on me. <laughs> that I knew was worth it. So, but, but that's like, that's the core tension that I find so appealing is like you wanting to be safe, you wanting to do stuff, but the mechanics of the game forcing you to work outside of your comfort zone. You can never feel totally prepared in a situation. That's not true. They have an empowerment curve. So by the end of the game, you're usually like feeling pretty good. you got some more inventory slots. you got some powerful weapons. You're feeling pretty confident. Oh, wait. Well, uh, so quick side note. I, I want to ask you a small question to that. Do you think that's intentional? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Like that, that kind of like in that kind of like power curve. Corey, Do you think that's intentional for at like the, the end of Resident Evil Two Remake. They give you a minigun. <laughs> of course, it's intentional. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but it, I mean, do you think people actually enjoy that, or do you think people wish that wasn't a thing? 
So or does that, or is that a part of like the franchise that just people that this particular franchise that people love about it? It's like I'm glad when they do that. I wish more horror things would do that, but I'm glad that this particular horror franchise does that because then it's a lot more satisfying in a way. I, I think and it's a, 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 a core part of the identity. Um, okay. To me, like you always start these games feeling very disempowered where just one or two enemies like poses a serious threat and then you learn, you adapt, you get better equipped. And then by the end of the game, you know, you're able to just really deal with a, a huge amount of threats. And I think that feels really good. And I think that by and large, these games have combat that like allows you to feel like you are getting good. So unless you're a speedrunner. <laughs> in that case like everything is easy and you don't have to waste a shot <laughs> look my philosophy is that anything is easy if you know how to do it so yeah, yeah. if you put if you just True. put a thousand hours into it it's probably not going to give you too many problems knife run knife oh, run i i don't have the patience for that <laughs> <laughs> i tried it i literally tried it i tried it with resident evil uh 2 remake i tried a knife run and i made it maybe one eighth of the way and then it just got impossibly hard because yeah. it felt like the game was like oh you want to play knife run <laughs> okay we'll just throw everything that is the biggest like obstacle at oh you want you want to play that way huh i'll give you like two liquors and one one hallway right I'll, stuff that you can't outrun and i'm like oh so, so like a knife only run is obviously a challenge run. You know, that's not yeah. uh, uh, the intended first experience of it, obviously. But like that, what you're describing, like, is kind of one of my favorite feelings that I can get from a video game, which is like, OK, I should be fine as long as I don't run into any liquors. <laughs> it's always God liquor. damn it, liquors. Oh, no. <laughs> and then the, the game like knows it mm -hmm. knows it knows because I, I remember playing this and having a problem with that. It's like, come on, you don't have to... All I have to do is walk from one end of this hallway to the other. Oh, what do you know? There's zombies in every window, and they all fall into the hallway. And then I have to go around the bend, and then there's a liquor right there, so I can't run. That's really good to me. I love that. Like oh, I uh, hate it. <laughs> so, so specifically, like, a moment from the Resident Evil 2 remake that I love. Uh, when you're in the prison... And you try to bust that guy out, but then uh, uh, Mr. Oh, X oh, oh. pops oh, his yeah, head. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then all of the doors start unlocking and you're sprinting <laughs> through and you're like, there are 1000 zombies down this corridor, so I'm not going to do that. But fortunately, there's a, a little side path over here. So hey, 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 I'll just run around them. And you do that. And then Mr. X is like walking <laughs> down like, that hall. He's like, where do you think you're going? <laughs> and then you're like, fuck. And, you, there's, no, and it's not, there's nothing you can do. Yeah, there's it, like nothing you can do. And then you turn around and then like 1000 zombies are right behind you and you're stuck between a rock and a hard place and you just instantly panic and you have to, to make a decision like in that split second. And that's really cool, intense and scary to me. Like, I love that kind of stuff. Well, I mean, there's another there's another uh, uh, we're going to get to the next point in like a second. But there's there's another there's another sequence like that towards the end of the game too. spoiler. Um, for anybody who hasn't played it, it's been like, what, five years? These are minor but, spoilers about, like, yeah. scenarios. We're not getting yeah. into uh, anything. But there's uh, there's another sequence like that, too, with, involving Mr. X. What do you know? Where the whole place is on fire, and you're trying to get out. 
and it's to me one of the best musical sequences in the game mm-hmm. <laughs> because when that music kicked up and like it was like do 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 and then the chorus came in and i was like just as he busted through and then uh leon i'm pretty sure he was like are you kidding me <laughs> <laughs> and it, i was like yes this is the kind of like this is the kind of stuff that i love in video games where you know it's clear that I'm going to make it, but at the same time, it's like, wow, the game just really doesn't want me to... <laughs> I mean, I know it's a scripted sequence, but at the same time, it's like, wow, yeah. I fig- You figured you would show up at the worst possible time ever when I need to run and get out and I'm being chased by everything and everything's on fire. The whole building's going to explode and you show up right in front of me and you're just like, yeah, yeah, of course, of course that happens. What Absolutely. What am I supposed to do? Like, <laughs> so uh, we're not going to talk too much. Uh, I'm not going to dwell too much on this uh, unless it's one of your future questions, but I don't know. Uh, but like all of the stuff that we're talking about, all of these things that I find appealing, all of these cool, tense situations about things getting worse um, are all things that I brought into the design of my tabletop game because those are the things that I want to emulate. I want to emulate limited resources and making difficult decisions. I want to emulate like mastering a space like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the Spencer mansion or the RPD or Baker, uh, estate. I want to emulate. Okay. We'll be fine as long as nothing goes wrong. And then something goes wrong, but in a way that feels fair. Um, yeah, those are all really fun to me. And those are kind of the, the guiding, design philosophies that I tried to bring forward into that. And that's really cool. Um, I also like, because um, we talked a bit about the your game, um, like outside of this too, and I like the idea of uh, what you call it, a hunter character? Where, uh, the stalker archetype. Yeah, the stalker, the stalker archetype. I actually kind of like that because it always keeps you on edge. Even if it's in the background on edge, because yeah. so so the stalker he, yeah. in in Resident Evil parlance would be your Mister X, your nemesis, mm-hmm. uh, even something like a Lisa Trevor or a Jack Baker. These seemingly indestructible characters that no matter how many times you kill them, always seem to come back one more time. Uh, yeah, and they're always trying to they're always trying to follow you. They're always trying to find you, and yeah. if they find you. It's it's a problem. It's not necessarily like, you know, it, it's easy to outrun Mr. X when he's the only one around. But right. he shows up but, when you have a thousand zombies to navigate. And then he shows up and he'll just walk right through them. He'll push them to the side and he'll make a beeline straight for you. Totally. And it's like, great. No matter what I do, I'm going to have a problem if I try to engage these zombies it's going to alert everything. Yeah. If I try to, you know, if I try to fight Mr. X and kind of like knock him down, because he never dies, you just knock him down. Then all these zombies are going to just look at me and be like, oh, fruit, free food. Let's go. And it's like, it, it, like you said before, it's like the juggling of plates and or spinning of plates, I should say. And I like that to a point. I'm not to the level you do. <laughs> like you're like, no, give me more plates. Give me more, <laughs> more. I don't and want I'm an like... infinite number of plates, but I like having, <laughs> I like having a an few infinite. problems to solve at once. 
infinite number of plates. I like having a problem in front of me and being able to think about it for a second, but I guess that's kind of why I like Resident Evil because it's like a fine line that they they got into my sweet spot, in other words, where it's like, I don't like that to an extreme, but I do like just enough of it where it, it's like a cattle prod in the in the in the butt. It's like yeah. go, you gotta go, <laughs> and I'm like, but I don't want you gotta go. <laughs> so so tell me what you were uh, trying to get at, uh, bringing up the stalker characters. Oh no, I just I think that was, um, I was gonna say that I think that is one of the aspects of Resident Evil that I really like because mm-hmm. I know a lot of it. They exist in like most of the Resident Evil uh, games. Yep. In some capacity or another. And I noticed that not a lot of other, uh, what you call it, not a lot of other franchises, horror franchises actually have that. Like, you kind of, it's kind of like, I guess Silent Hill kind of has Pyramid Head or something Um, like that. But he shows up very scripted. He's not always hunting you. Sure. It, you know, there there is a difference between like systemic stalkers versus scripted stalkers. So Mr. X is just kind of around and he is an ambient problem that you have to deal with. Yeah. Versus someone who, you know, there's a cutscene and then you have to deal with this guy. But um, but Enter the Survival Horror, even though it is a uh, tabletop game inspired by Resident Evil, like is intended to be broad enough to encompass a wide variety of survival horror media including uh you know stuff like silent hill so pyramid head uh yes i would definitely say is kind of a quintessential stalker figure uh but also movies which you know lots of slasher monsters are mm. stalkers you know michael michael myers is a, a pretty classic one uh yeah. the alien jason. the xenomorph from alien one specifically yeah, yeah uh, jason i would say is like the one of the biggest ones because he is just supernaturally stalker <laughs> Like, he'll just yeah. catch up to you. He'll zoom around and, you know. Totally. And, and, and like, uh, again, I have ways in the game that that can be systemically expressed. There are mechanics for, like, you thought this guy was put down, but now he's going to show up again and surprise you. Yeah. Um, I, th- I just think that's neat. Um, yeah, I, I yeah. definitely like that as part of the core identity of the Resident Evil series. And I... I want them to continue to to push that envelope and do more with it. It seems like after Mr. X, they kind of pulled it back. They Some of the feedback that they got was that that was too far, that that was too much pressure, that um, really? pe- people didn't oh. like it. Yeah. So, I didn't even know. I thought that was kind of really perfect because it, I know. Like, it encapsulated the entirety of Resident Evil. You are never safe. Like That is the point of Resident Evil. I even agree. if you clear out every zombie, you're still never safe. And I like and I like that aspect. It wasn't I didn't feel it was oppressive. But the really great part of the design is that like intentionally using a stalker figure, you want to give the players familiarity. You want to let them explore the the world in a safer fashion. And then once they start to feel comfortable, you want to introduce the stalker in order to to make them to shake it up. You don't want them to be exploring a new area for the first time with that pressure on it, but you want them to like hear those footsteps and be like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to run down to the central hall, go up, 
and then circumnavigate this so that I can get to the to the clock tower without uh, yeah. having to deal with him. You know, you want well, pe- players yeah. being able to like map things out in their heads and uh, adapt on the fly. That's I really mean, cool. I, I automatically think uh, to since we're talking about that game, I automatically think to you how I feel about like the plant. I mean, what do you call it? The, uh, the lab, the underground yep. uh, research nest um in the plant area where i was like i once i felt and i like i said it goes back to like the game almost sensing how you feel it's like once i felt okay i got a handle on this place i'm like Mm -hmm. what what yeah how did you get down here (laughs) you 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 do that and you're like finally got it and then he busts in through a window and you're like okay panic again <laughs> don't got it don't got don't it. got it don't got it <laughs> not clear not clear <laughs> um yeah that's that's uh that's a big part of the appeal uh resident evil 8 should have had more of lady d just uh just kind of stalking ambiently uh, that was only for a short section of the game could have used more of that okay i this actually leads into my next uh question yeah and this is a very open-ended question this is going to be obviously the biggest thing but who or what is your favorite character in the franchise? <laughs> so, and I think I already know this answer, you but probably, I don't want to hear it you, anyway. You probably do. So this is a complicated question. So I have spent a lot of time now talking why about it. why I like this series. And you'll notice that everything I'm talking about is the mechanics. It's about the way you play the game. It's the way that you approach these spaces. It's about the map. It's about the location. It's not about the characters. Um, For me, this is not a series that I care about the continuity. I don't particularly care about the story, and I don't particularly care about these characters. Chris Redfield (laughs) refusing to go away. (laughs) Like is so annoying to me. He's Chris Redfield. Absolutely bland slab of meat (laughs) with no (laughs) defining personality traits that they just insist on inserting in again and again with a brand new squad of idiots who are going to die. And I don't care. That's really funny considering (laughs) I think you're not the only one who thinks that way. And also I think Capcom just loves the to do that anyway because they know that nobody liked Chris Redfield. Someone <laughs> so they just put him into the <laughs> Oh, you don't like Chris Redfield, huh? Well, guess what? You get to talk to him for 20 minutes in a cutscene. Oh, How do you boy. like that? <laughs> oh joy. I, I feel like there's gotta be some executive at Capcom who's like, Chris Redfield is the most interesting character in the world, and now his his squad is going to be called Wolfhound. And there's uh, a guy there named Laser Eyes. And there's a guy named Snakebite. Aren't they interesting? And it's like, no, they're just faceless goons. G.I. Joe Gojo. It's so G.I. Joe. But like, <laughs> it's so G.I. God, I, I cannot care less about it. So what do I like about characters? What do I value? Um, I, I have to say that I think my favorite character in the franchise has got to be Jack Baker. Jack Baker. I knew it. I, I knew love it. Jack Baker. <laughs> I, knew it. I was about to say Jack Baker. <laughs> Why do I love Jack Baker? It's because he's he's got so much personality and character. He's such a charismatic villain. Um, he has like he's got things that he likes. He's got a history. He's got context. You you find notes around about how he's frustrated about like losing the lawnmower and then you go into the crawl space and there's like four lawnmowers down there that he like <laughs> apparently keeps borrowing and losing 
Uh, that's very <laughs> funny. He'll stalk you throughout the house and he improvises different uh, weapons out of household stuff. So like one of his weapons is like a paint roller with nails sticking out of it. That's very good. <laughs> He's like, I'm, you know, demonic yeah. home improvement dad. Yeah, I, I really want to <laughs> see. I really want to know how many lines that uh, that voice actor, I don't remember his name. But yeah. I really want to know how many lines he improvised because it seems like his obviously his lines are the best lines in them they're in the really game. good and by the way we're talking about resident evil 7 which is the worst thing to play in vr and the worst thing to play <laughs> ever because it is gross and if you like gross things then you'll love this yeah. game so but if so, you don't like gross things for context then you probably won't like this uh, game. <laughs> i i pretty firmly believe that Corey's dislike of this game comes down to two things one being it's it's overall gross atmosphere and two, the fact that one of the major areas is bug themed and you do not do oh, well with bugs. <laughs> no, I don't I don't do well with spiders particularly. Yeah. Uh, spiders are the, basically for all those listening. I'm not afraid really of anything except spiders. And I'm not kidding. It's it, when it comes to animals and bugs and stuff. I'm like, eh. I'm, I'm like some things I don't like. Like I don't want to obviously get a bee sting or something like that. I'm not gonna thrust myself into a like a wasp hive, but I am not a big fan of spiders. And even if it's a small one, I'm like nope, nope. I'm gonna put on my coat, my winter coat. I'm gonna put on my boots. I'm gonna put on some gloves, and then I'm gonna get like a big old stick or something, and then I'm going to go and try to kill it. That's how weird I am about it. And I, I, I don't know if it's super arachnophobic or what have you, but I'm like, that's the one thing in the world that I'm actually like scared of. And of course, this, mother, <laughs> this motherfucker, <laughs> when we were in school, what what did he say? Okay, this is, you you know, when you were watching The Return, you're going to watch The Return of the right. King. I made him watch all know where the... this is going. Yeah, so, so this is going. one of my most cherished memories is me, again, the worst. causing Corey to watch Lord of the Rings. And the he's, I don't remember why, but you're literally like sitting at my desk watching a movie on a small computer monitor. It's not exactly ideal circumstances. <laughs> But college reasons, I suppose. Yeah, I know. But anyways, yeah. you're watching the movie, and he gets to the Shelob scene, and there's spider webs all over the place. He's like, mm. and then you know, Shelob uh, uh, finally is revealed. The 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 file of Galadriel illuminates it, and I see him just go, oh, oh, and then he like launches himself backwards off of this chair, damn near falling out of it. And I it thought is- it was exceedingly funny it was not the best time (laughs) so it was not the best time and i was like i still have problems watching that scene obviously mm -hmm. because it doesn't go away but i'm like man you guys didn't have to go that hard on that i even in the (laughs) hobbit series when they went through that forest with all the spiders in it yeah and i was like that still wasn't nearly as bad as the scene with Shelob, where it was just how Shelob moved and how she how big Shelob was. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, no, we're not going to do this again. We're not. I love Shelob. We're not going to do it again. So good. No, it's not. It's great. <laughs> and, and this guy, this guy loves, like, 
it because it, you said like I, like I said, this game is like in VR. So imagine all that all up in your face, and I'm like, why would I subject myself to that? Now, mind you, my one of my other best friends, he loves that. He loves it. He's like, no. He's he's like you, Adam. It's Doug. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, no, inject that into me. I want it in my face. I want it down <laughs> my throat. I want it in my <laughs> in my bloodstream. <laughs> I'm like, no. I'll watch you do it, but I ain't going to do this. Nope. So uh, another minor digression into like uh, the process of adapting this tabletop. So, you know, right now I'm laughing at this. I'm laughing at our history. I'm laughing at uh, the fact that he got very scared of something that he doesn't like. How Obviously, that kind of sucks. Like, that's me being <laughs> shitty. Uh, because comfort oh, is, is really important. We, we come to these things because we want yeah. to have like fun scary. We want to engage with it and enjoy it. But everyone has lines that they don't really want crossed, whether or not, you know, player player comfort in games, uh, player comfort for tabletop stuff. There's a difference and there's a distinction between like, I'm uncomfortable because this is a spooky situation versus you are doing the thing that I'm not okay with and I'm going to shut down and disengage. And you don't want that that latter thing. And so for Enter the Survival Horror, like safety tools and giving players ways to say no and giving players ways to say yes are all things that were like really at the forefront of my mind. So the game comes bundled with safety tools, talking about lines and veils. So for Corey here, you know, if we if I was running a game for him, spiders are on the no list like he doesn't like spiders. He doesn't want to deal with spiders. They're not going to be in the game, period. And that's cool. That's okay. Yeah. You know, for my wife, uh, cannibalism is something that she just doesn't Ooh. want to engage with. Ugh. You know, that's not okay for her. Uh, and I think that's only a good thing. Um, you know, well, there are people who will say, like, no, it's supposed to be challenging. It's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable. It's supposed to push you outside of your comfort zone. And... Yes, that can be true, but we have to want to willingly engage with it. And if it causes you to check out, then like, just cut it, man. It's not that big of a deal. Isn't and also isn't that interesting that um, horror as a genre specifically has this issue, <laughs> where it's I I mean maybe calling it an issue is not the right word for it, but it has a specific you know, um, thing that people have to think about when it comes to horror, because horror, it seems like all rules are out a lot of the time in this genre. Yeah. Where it's like, oh no, we want to get to you. That is the point. Yeah. Transgression <laughs> is part of the intent. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's interesting to hear like from a horror, like aficionado, um, and like huge horror fan that, from you that it's like no there needs to be a line because everybody has a line and it's and that's and it's important to have that line not be crossed there is yeah. respect in that you don't have to be like oh you're a wuss for thinking we're not letting it ride i'm like hey come on man because i've heard that from certain people not a lot of people but i've heard that from certain people where it's like no you need to let this ride you need to let it like 
Like I've seen experimental, even when we were back in like school, mm-hmm. I saw, I remember going to a, uh, like a, an experimental student film like that they showed in the theater because we had people that was back in the day. I don't know how young our audience is going to be or what have you, but do you remember the ruins? Do you remember that horror movie? Like about the teenagers that go, went down to South America and started messing around with like Mayan stuff like that, and then I do the not. plants attack them. It, it's goofy, but the makers of those people came to the college and they did like a whole theater seminar and blah blah blah. Well, before that, they showed like a student film or a couple student films, and of mm. course, a lot of them were horror. But there was one particular one that was horror that me and my friends. Like, some of my uh, other friend group, we went to go see it, but we got real uncomfortable because we're like, it involved, it it involved, uh, excuse me if uh, I'm, I don't mean to trigger anybody with this, but it involved rape. Mm-hmm. And it involved homosexual rape. And I was, and we were like, does this have anything to do with anything? And of course, one of my other friends, she was like, really physically uncomfortable with it. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, I can't do this. And we all left. We all had to just walk out and be like, yeah, no, we're not. We're not with this. Um, right. And we got the idea. And back then, even I, even I thought, I was like, I get the idea of this. But I don't think this is necessary. Especially in the context that you're giving this. Like, uh, you're filming this. I do not think this is necessary for this. I think this is like over, I think it's overextending or something like that. It's going to extremes for no reason other than maybe shock value. Yeah. And, and, and that's like, I, I agree with you in principle, which is not to say that's not the same thing as saying that like, it's impossible to do that well, or it's impossible no, yeah. to do that without yeah, a point. I'm not saying that. But yeah. like you, you, if you are doing something with like really inflammatory language, really uh, uh, inflammatory imagery or something, you have, you have a responsibility with it. You have to be careful and mindful of that. And if you're just doing it to provoke a reaction, I think that's, that's irresponsible. Yeah. But I think um, what, what you were saying, I'm sorry, going back to what you were saying about Jack Baker, I think he, his line, though he has some crazy stuff that he does, it is kind of perfect. Like, mm-hmm. He doesn't do, he does a lot of like crazy stuff. And yet at the same time, it's one, it's in character. And two, I don't think he changes. Like he does what you expect him to do, but at the same time, it's unexpected. And if that makes any sense, it's not surprising when he does weird stuff. <laughs> basically yeah so uh just just real quick to to finish addressing that um for for those safety tools for my game um you know i i personally have sexual violence just crossed out in red as like it is the explicit intention of me that like if you want to include that in your game you have to undo that i personally don't think it has a place in that kind of tabletop space okay yeah um it's it's something that has to be handled with a lot of responsibility. Um, and conversely, like, I think that horror media should be allowed to play in transgressive spaces. 
but also audiences should be allowed to opt into it, which is why if you're unfamiliar with it, the website Does the Dog Die is one of the best tools and resources. So it started out literally as, you know, just a does the does the dog die in this film because people don't want to watch animals getting hurt. But now it's evolved into this broad like largely spoiler-free way to find out, you know, specific content warnings. So we went to go see Jordan Peele's Nope because it involved horses. And I was just like, is there going to be a lot of animal violence in this? I don't know if I want to watch that. And I was able to just go there and look it up and just be like, you know, there's a couple of things that happen, but it's not super, it's not what the movie's about. It's not super explicit. It doesn't super dwell on that. And so I was like, okay, I can go into this with some confidence about what I'm I'm in for. It's a great tool, genuinely. And that sounds like a great tool. (laughs) Like That sounds like, phenomenal (laughs) yeah and you don't lose anything from you know choosing to seek out like a very minor spoiler of if content that you're uncomfortable with is present so for me i have a really hard time you know i it's not any particular subject matter that bothers me but like eyes are really hard for me so anything that involves like people getting stabbed in the eyes or or something like that gouged out really visceral reaction to me i don't like it and i'm going to kind of run away from the movie whenever that's happening and that's just something that you know my wife totally knows that she we have an unspoken agreement that if eye stuff starts happening i'm going to stop watching the movie and she'll tell me when it's over and I can go and look that up if it's something that I'm concerned about going into a movie. I, I think that safety tools and giving people the information that they need to opt in and feel comfortable, even in transgressive media, is hugely valuable. Uh, yeah. yeah. So. And then it, it allows people to enjoy it a lot more when they know that you're not being taken advantage of in, yeah. in a way. It's when, like, when you're not being caught off guard. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know this. Which I'm like, that's cool. I wrote it down. I was like, huh. Yeah. And and I was going to interrupt you. I, I Forgive me because I was going to interrupt and say something. But um, I'll say it now is, you know what? Maybe I'm being a little bit more, me, I'm being a little bit, oh my goodness, tinfoil hatty type thing. <laughs> uh, but maybe this, in a way, this kind of system, in a way, should replace the current uh you know, rating system. Sure. I mean, because this is a little bit more accurate in how people, the, the movie space and, you know, the media space is so janky nowadays because there's, yeah, you know. What the is, Batman can be PG-13 and, you know, uh, an innocuous romantic comedy with a couple of F-bombs can be an R. Yeah. And, and I'm like, okay, maybe people should basically know the content not say know the story but know what they're getting into a little bit easier and totally that shouldn't require a necessary a rating rating system because certain families and certain people are different some some people are going to you know allow like not necessarily allow but don't mind their kids hearing certain language but would rather not see their like a like somebody's head getting blown off Totally. <laughs> so, like, how are you supposed to navigate that and all this kind of stuff? Which is why it's like, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother argument, like, 
that's a whole nother episode of the yeah. rating system and how archaic it can uh, be. Yeah, <laughs> and the many way it fails you. So, yeah. like, it's never going to replace it because I think that it's, you know, too granular to be understood oh, yeah, yeah, at yeah, a yeah. glance. But it's a, it's a fabulous tool. Uh, even if you're in the middle of watching a movie, you know, we were watching uh, a horror movie last year and there was a cat and my wife was just like, oh, is the cat going to die? And I was able to look it up and I said, yes, but it's off screen. And that gave her, you know, uh, enough confidence to continue watching it. Oh, OK. Yeah. I mean, that that is I never even heard of that before. That is so cool. It's great. So what I'm saying out. is that you should play Resident Evil 7, but with the mod that replaces all bugs with Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> I've already tried that with like Resident <laughs> Evil 2 remake and how Mr. X is Thomas the Tank Engine. Um, so moving back to, to your story, uh, Jack Baker's great. He's he's a he rides the knife's edge of like horror versus comedy. Uh, I love his which lines. Which is hard to do. Which he, is hard to do. Really hard. Uh, I think Resident Evil 7 has an immaculate tone. It's like right in between uh the texas chainsaw massacre and the evil dead it's campy it's silly you, but also genuinely scary i love man, it man you i did not know how big of an evil dead fan you are well that's new that's recent like it, that's what that's what i was i was like i know evil dead and i thought they were fun i did a I, like when we were in school i did a uh like an animation from it i don't know if you remember that but i did an animation from i do not like one of the scenes like the S-Mart scene? It's one of my oh, favorite scenes in the right. entire... Oh, man, I love that scene because it's so stupid. It's <laughs> dumb it's as so hell. Funny. But I, that's the point. That's the point of Evil Dead. It's so goofy. I but like I, the movies, but, like, the show The, the show, is yeah, you said the sublime. show is like, It's so yeah. good. Again, just I'm, really riding that, like... I, I think that the the Evil Dead show actually has, like, a lot of, like, Resident Evil 7 comparisons with, like, the goofy horror where it's... It's very silly, but also you're like, ha ha ha. Ugh, yeah, it's aww. like, ugh. <laughs> uh, really I think, good. I think that's the point of Evil Dead. That's why people really enjoy it that much. Yeah. Um, because it rides that line. And it's really hard to like ride that line of comedy and horror and making people go, ha ha. Ugh. Yeah. Um. So. Okay, we got it. We got it. We got to get back on topic. Oh no! Th so, I, this was good because it was good. There's there's one last thing, and this is kind of well, okay. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a so uh, okay, go four characters. <laughs> the other character that's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, so so uh, this is my other firm opinion. Um, there is no continuity between these games. The character named Leon S. Kennedy in the Resi original Resident Evil 2 is a completely different character than the character named Leon S. Kennedy in Resident Evil 4, who is also a completely different character from the character who is in Resident Evil 2 Remake. Like, they don't look the same. They don't sound the same. They don't act the same. They're, they're just different people coincidentally named the same thing but as a result it's just really hard for me to care about like ooh, what's claire been up to i don't uh, who cares it doesn't matter uh Aww. with the exception of jill jill is great i love jill give me more jill oh. but wow oh bias but uh resident evil 4 leon is one of gaming's greatest dipshits uh <laughs> He's got a dog's brain, and I love it. <laughs> He's an absolute moron. 
but just like so much confidence and charisma while saying like these like really schoolyard insults. Very funny to me. I love Resident Evil 4, Leon. To me, I think Resident Evil is totally about that. And going back to the original, I mean, the thing that we were talking about, like, literally five minutes beforehand is Resident Evil, the more you think about it, is literally Evil Dead. It's the, it's, it, that's, that's exactly what it is. Because the humor is, like, right there. It's so goofy. I'm like, but why did you just say that? <laughs> Leon, why? Like, then he's like, hey. And he says it in so a matter of fact type thing. Even in the even in the remake, compared to Jill, uh, what's her what? No, it's not Jill. It's um, it's not Jill. Valentine. Claire. It's Claire. Claire talks a little bit like a normal person. Um, but when they're re- interacting together, Leon, <laughs> Leon's so goofy. Jill, I mean, uh, Claire, you need to run. Run! <laughs> I was like, what? but they're both just like standing there. And he's just like telling her. Yeah. And it's just like, okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Claire is having natural reactions to things like, you know, not much. I'm just looking for my brother and all this kind of stuff. Now, mind you, she is oddly calm about everything. Yeah. Being a normal very, person. Very flippant. They're, they treat yeah. it like it's a meet cute uh, romantic comedy. Yeah. Uh, and it's just like, how are you doing? And she's like, oh, you know, surviving. Didn't find my brother yet. I'm assuming he's dead, but it's all right. I'll find him eventually. And he's like, okay, that's cool. That's cool. So, you doing anything later? Uh, literally, it's kind of like that. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Leon, <laughs> Claire, you need to run. Run! Go! And then, of course, she's like, hey, let's make it through this. And he's like, yeah, 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 I'll see you later. So. <laughs> I really love how Leon's like, Ada. Do you love me? And Ada's just like, <laughs> LOL, no. No. <laughs> no. no. Uh, 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 yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I feel like this is a controversial opinion. I'm not super crazy about either incarnation of Leon or Claire in the Resident Evil 2 remake. I like that game a lot. I think that they're kind of boring. Uh, Leon's not enough of a clownish dipshit to, to really appeal to me in the same way and uh claire's just kind of there i don't know it's okay uh, it's it's fine this is this this is but resident evil 4 I, leon though yeah this is why i asked you because <laughs> because it's funny yeah i think it's funny <laughs> uh so uh take us home what's question number three? Oh, this is gonna be good <laughs> in the now i <laughs> there's some qualifiers to this uh, this question, mind you, is just really funny to me, and I wanted to ask this. Okay, since you love uh, Resident Evil 7 mm-hmm. so much, if Capcom ever made a game like Resident Evil 7, like, just as good, God willing. Kind of stuff. Uh, huh? That game is not called Resident Evil 8. I don't like that game as much. No, no, not, not Resident Evil 8. I'm talking Resident Evil 7, where it's it's very compact and all this kind of stuff, all the stuff that you love. Yes. On mobile, would yeah. you buy it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't like mobile games. I don't play but any even but even if it was the greatest like Resident Evil 7 where they innovated the crap out of it, oh it uses it uses like 
you know, the motion control of your how you hold your phone <sighs> and everything so good, and it's and everybody's praising it, and it's getting like nines across the board. And everything like that is nine the highest? No, tens across the board, <laughs> and everything like that. And Capcom's like, yes, we innovated this. We we put all of our eggs into one basket, and all of our Resident Evil eggs into one basket. It has the greatest characters. It, it like it it um like the gameplay is what everybody wanted. It is like is like perfect, and like the for the story is there for the story people, the story lords. And everything like that, but it doesn't. It, it's still a standalone thing because that's what everybody wants, right? Standalone stuff. Don't. Yes, don't, correct. Yeah, don't uh, interact do with anything with your, else with your lore. I do not yeah. care about your lore. I yeah. like reading a wiki about the progenitor virus, but like, uh, I cannot give a shit about See? Blue See? Umbrella. <laughs> yep, and exactly. So we don't even worry about that in this game because that's what you want. So we put it all in this game. We put it all on the line here. <laughs> and it's also on mobile, so you can take it anywhere you want to go. How do you like that? Now pay us 60 bucks. <laughs> so, so, like, uh, your hypo- hypothetical is like, Obviously. what if they made a game that you liked? And the answer is like, well, I would probably like it then. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is why I like asking this, because you give me the, you give, you don't like flipping out. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna have a we're gonna have a couple episodes where you're gonna you're gonna go off. This is not laugh. the one though. No, no, I uh-huh. I got a couple of them. But um, but yeah, this is the like that's why I'm always trying to be like, okay, Adam, how far can I push it to where you're like, no, 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 I don't like this. Get it out of my face. <laughs> the the answer is that yeah, I would probably buy it. You know, but uh, I I don't think that. I, what my ideal situation would be like, I bet someone's going to like find a way to run this on the PC somehow. <laughs> and yeah, that's that how I'll true. play it. Um, yeah, that, that's exactly what it's, I'll It's hard happening. for me to like a, a, a mobile game. And like largely what we're talking about is like format. So I think like a really good comparison would be like, what if they made the perfect Resident Evil game that had co-op? And it's like, I probably wouldn't like it as well as much as uh, a single player. Like, because I just mm. don't like co-op that much. Even if it's fun, like it has an element of like whistling in the dark. It's very difficult for something that's co-op to be scary. And I I do want a Resident Evil game to be scary. Like I I don't want it to just be an action game with spooky monsters. You know, mm. I think Resident Evil 5 is poisonously unscary to me. Um, mm. Well, it's more of an action game than like a, a horror game. Yeah. Point. It's starting to go into like the action oriented things which but, you know what i get it but at the same time i can understand why people are like nah it's not for me that's not what i play resident evil for and i'm like yeah that's yeah understandable or or like you know dead space 3 has a, a heavy co-op element and that also Ew, dev, does dead doesn't space doesn't do that's it for disgusting. me you know it's <laughs> it's it's not as bad as people say while also not being very good <laughs> um <laughs> It's like, I I don't know why I feel the need to defend it. And I'm like, no, Dead Space 3 <laughs> no. is a solid C+. <laughs> it's, it's solidly average. It's okay. Give it a break. <laughs> it's got some neat ideas that it doesn't execute very well because of bad management decisions. Oh. But, uh, <laughs> got him. <laughs> but, uh, how do you like that? How do you like that, EA visceral? <laughs> Take um, that. 
you bitch. <laughs> I bet I bet you'd be real salty about that if EA didn't kill you. <laughs> yeah. I bet the Dead Space remake is going to be okay. It'll yeah. be fine. But See, that's how I feel about Lost Planet, though. I don't like Lost Planet 3 at all uh, because it pulled that on me. And I was like, yeah. Oh, it, it, it switched to being a co-op game. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, and also yeah. it was just very boggled down and it was also in a snow region and i was like i don't feel this i ain't feeling this at all like ultimately like it comes down to one like like a question of tone and atmosphere and like what i want out of this game and i feel like uh, again like mobile would similarly betray that i can't really be scared on a, a, a five inch screen i can't really be scared if i'm you know playing a game while taking a bubble bath uh <laughs> Are you sure? I, Are you I, sure about that? <laughs> yeah, pretty sure. I feel yeah, pretty sure. I've played Re Resident Evil Revelations 2 on the Switch in the bathtub while taking a bubble bath. It's not very scary. <laughs> Are you being serious or no? Yeah, I'm being 100% serious. Oh, what? I, I've never heard this story. There's no story. I just sometimes play video games in a bathtub. I like bubble baths. <laughs> really? I never knew this. <laughs> I never knew this about you. Yeah. Like you actually have like the little pillow that you like set your head on and then you have like the table that you like put stuff on. And everything. So, so we moved uh, about a year and a half ago and our new bathtub sucks. But in the old <laughs> apartment, uh, yes, I, I hand built a custom bath board. <laughs> and I, like at one point I was taking like three baths a week and just hanging out and vibing. And it was great. Wow. Uh, wow. Loved it. But oh, that, uh, is, that is your, uh, but here's the thing. Your, uh, hard to time. be, hard to be scared in a bathtub. That's all I'm saying. So, uh, the question of medium and what it serves, I think is a valid question. The, the, the counterpoint, like the kind of the real question, um, here, not the real question, but like the real answer is, can I like these games in a different medium? And uh, I think Resident Evil 4 VR is awesome. Like, it's really good in virtual reality. Hmm. And uh, a big part of that is, like, it does change the fundamental nature of the game. Like, it changes how you interact. It changes how you participate in the spaces. But one, the gameplay loop is so goddamn solid in that game. The encounter design is so well done. Oh, that's good. I mean, because that's an interesting point I never thought about. So. And and two, just like the change of perspective, allowing it to be something that totally fills your view and allowing you to be in these spaces is just really goddamn cool. Like these are cool spaces to be in. Mm -hmm. And I, I did try, uh, you know, there are fan made VR mods for like uh, the Resident Evil 2 and 3 remakes so that you can uh, play them in VR. And I couldn't last long. Like I pretty quickly got motion sick in oh, those. Really? Uh, I, I'm kind of sensitive to that, and um, the the locomotion is still tied to the character, which means that they have like momentum to them, and that like changes in speed can be really disorienting. Yeah. So uh, it didn't sit super well with me, but it was really cool to just be in RCPD as a location. Like yeah. the the sense of space is really neat and impressive and like genuinely i want all of these games to be in vr i would love to play resident evil 7 in vr 
Blah. BR. Yeah. BR. Battle Royale. That's right. I want Resident Evil 7 Battle Royale. BR, it's I don't want exists. a co-op experience. I want a hundred people running around. It, 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 it already exists. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> Resident Evil. Uh, ah, shoot. What is that? What is it called? It's all, There's already a BR Resident Evil. No, there's not. There's they're they're making the the reverse. Which yeah, is going I mean. to be yeah that's yeah Resident Evil v- Reverse that's, that's going to be like a, a Team it. Fortress style like class based action shooter oh, really? or whatever I, I thought they had multiple uh, I don't think it's like a hundred a hundred people running around RCPD would be <laughs> fucking wild that would be uh, really funny and, and half like, of those people should be zombies and let's see who survives and like or let's yeah, see who it, kills the main character it is appealing to be like. I'm going to be Jack Baker with chainsaw scissors fighting other players. But like, it's also, again, it's not scary. It's not, it's not giving me any of the things that I, I come to the series for. So I don't really, yeah. as a product, I don't really know like who it's for. I don't know who its target audience is, but it's, it's, for, it's not yeah. me. Yeah. And you know what? That, that speaks to the idea of, okay, who is this for? And why does, you know, franchises or, studios go a certain way when it feels like why did you guys decide this was a good idea type thing yeah um, you know kind of how reverse even came about because who who wanted this but it, it, it felt exists. like they were doing like for a re for a short time you know basically resident evil 7 and the resident evil 2 remake it felt like they really figured it out and then they started giving into their bad impulses of like maybe we should chase market trends yeah uh you know uh resident evil resistance similarly is like you know yeah. kind of the the dead by daylight version of resident evil that i'm like i'm not really sure this is what people want yeah uh you know horror fans aren't going to think this is very scary action fans are aren't going this to is sloppy uh, yeah like uh not really sure it's fine whatever uh there's some interesting ideas there but yeah it's not for me uh vr is for me i would really love to have more of those uh the fact that like resident evil 7 resident evil 4 and resident evil 8 are all on or going to be on vr platforms but it's three different ones and they're not compatible so you need to have three different systems if you want to play these three Ooh. separate games that kills me like god damn let me play resident evil 8 yeah. on a system that i already have uh, I do not want to have to buy a PlayStation 5 and a PlayStation VR yeah. just to do that. But, like, there's a non-zero chance that I will. Yeah. I really like it. I really want to do it. Yeah, and that's and that, I guess that's what they're counting on, is people will buy it. But they, people like this game and the VR systems that much. People will get it just for this. And guess what? Everybody wins. We get paid, you get the game. I don't so. get the game, though, because Resident Evil 7 VR was supposed to be a, a PlayStation VR exclusive for one year and then come to PC, and then it never came to PC. And So, so, what, so what are you going to do? Nothing. I'm never going to buy a PlayStation <laughs> VR. <laughs> I will never play this thing that I want to play. <laughs> that sucks. You say that. I do. you're like, you know what? No, I don't. So, you, so even if you got rich... 
and you had the money to just well, throw away it. Sure. Like, See? if the moon was made of ribs, you know, if any, yes. what if anything? What if, what if, what if came, I became Resident Evil 7? What if, what, I, if I, <laughs> what if I swallowed a haunted copy of Resident Evil 7 and I turned into Jack Baker and then was able to, to experience it in virtual reality? And by that, I mean murdering people with chainsaw scissors. And would then that murdering be good? yourself. And the answer and is then, yes. <laughs> I would love to take a gun and blow my own head off and then be, like, be okay. See, groovy. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, about I, he to would see show, something wonderful. He would show up at my house. Yeah, this, I would. This guy would show up at my house and Gory. <laughs> Gory. <laughs> and I'd be like, no. <laughs> no. That's not groovy. That's <laughs> Let me in. <laughs> no. <laughs> We're gonna make is... some breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Is it made of people? Maybe. <laughs> you want a bite? I'll I'll have a bite. <laughs> Check I'll it out. It <laughs> I made a big wheel made out of horse legs. <laughs> cool, cool, like cool, 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 <laughs> cool. Yeah. No, yeah, that's that's it's perfectly fine. Think perfectly the composition's fine. off? <laughs> no, yeah. man. The problem isn't the composition. <laughs> <laughs> no man <laughs> Ethan's saying that no man <laughs> stupid yeah, it's, uh, it's really stupid but yes. yeah sure if I you know if a wizard came down and they gave me a billion dollars and I had the opportunity to play it in VR I would buy a PlayStation VR and then I would put it on and I'd play it for 15 minutes and I was like oh, this was this came out in like 2017 before they figured out VR motion controls and it makes me motion sick and then I would stop playing it and that would be the 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 journey that I would go on <laughs> Dang. <laughs> so. So basically, Adam says, hey, Capcom, give him a free copy of the Resident Evil 7 VR experience on PlayStation 5, please. Yeah. for Yeah, which is uh, PlayStation 4 VR games are not compatible on PlayStation 5 VR. So it's not. Yep. I'm just probably never going to play it. So. Capcom, get on that. Uh, like, port it you, to do PC. Do you know who this is? Port it to PC. Give <laughs> it the same treatment as you did for uh, uh, Resident Evil 4 VR, where it's got, you know, proper VR considerations <laughs> and, you know, hand tracking and all that good stuff. Uh, and I would be a very happy boy. I would like all, that very much. All I can see is the scene from uh, Lord of the Rings at the very beginning, where it's like Isildur and... Uh, <laughs> It, and Elrond. Uh, and Elrond. Elrond is, is like, you're Elrond, and basically saying to Isildur, who is Capcom, please give me a PS5 so I can play the game. Port it to the PC. <laughs> Port it to the PC. No. <laughs> Capcom. Capcom. And then he walks out, and then I just turn to you know Sony Computer Entertainment, and I'm like, okay, but you'll bring Bloodborne to the PC, right? <laughs> No. <laughs> no. No. That because that's at the end of the that's at the end of the franchise when it's Sam and uh, Frodo and Frodo turns around. And he's like, "No, Bloodborne is mine, Sam. It's a PS4 exclusive. <laughs> it's a PS4 no. exclusive. No. No. 
There'll be he's like there'll be no there'll be no re- remaster. There'll no, won't even be a remaster. There won't even be a remake. Mr. Frodo, no! I just want to play it in like a modestly stable frame rate and maybe mod it so that I can play with that weird sword bow thing without having to play through two thirds of the game. <laughs> No. In that voice. <laughs> if I and then the and then the whole modding community is like, I may I may not be able. We may not have the right remake that we want, but we can sure mod the hell out of it. <laughs> and we steal the thing. Come on, come on, Mr. Photo. Come on. <laughs> anyway, uh, that ex- that <laughs> uh, Sam, huge from software fan, confirmed. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. But anyway, that uh, concludes our episode for the, today. This is uh, a the first s- of, uh, skimming the surface of like Resident Evil stuff. Oh, but uh, I, I wanted him, I wanted Adam to go in a little bit. Um, but you know, obviously, I didn't know he took long luxurious baths. So we learn. We learn. I things. do. I love baths. Bubble baths. Bubble baths. Are you? Are you the one that puts like? bubbles on your chin and says look oh (laughs) (laughs) i have been known to do that yes (laughs) because here's here's a little here's a little uh tidbit uh fellow audience members um adam has been a baby face for as long as i can remember oh yes adam doesn't grow hair Mm -mm. on his face he grows it everywhere else but he doesn't 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 work good yeah and it doesn't make any sense because I'm like, Adam, you should have, like, full beards and stuff. But at the same time, I look at him, I'm like, man, he would look weird with a beard. It would, would be weird. weird. with he would You would look weird with a mustache. That Oh, that would be so nasty. <laughs> Could not pull it off. It'd be like, um, uh, I don't remember what movie it is, but uh, Michael Sarah grows, like, a nasty little mustache. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'd be very similar to that. <laughs> yeah, I forget what movie that is, too, but I can see it vividly, vividly in my mind. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, that concludes our episode for today. That's good. <laughs> because wrap that's, it that's up. been a that's been a lot. There's been a lot. And it's only the beginning. It's only the beginning of spooky season. So we got a lot more coming. Um mm-hmm. but yeah, this was fun. This was great. I learned things. We all learn things about Resident Evil. But mm-hmm. uh yeah. Do you want to uh bring us out? Sure. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, uh, you know, feel free to drop us an email at halftonetakes at gmail.com. Uh, always happy to hear from people. If you've enjoyed listening, please give us a rating and review on iTunes Podcast Addict or wherever else podcasts are rated. Uh, and I have been Adam Bucheri, an animator and game designer. Uh, if you want, you can follow me on Twitter at Adam Bucheri, spelled like my name, or you can find my games, uh, my tabletop games at boocherry.itch.io. That is boo like ghost, cherry like fruit, uh, including, of course, Enter the Survival Horror, a tabletop RPG that is inspired by Resident Evil. Uh, got some good things on sale, stranger. <laughs> What are you buying? <laughs> what are you selling? That's what I always like. Anyway, I have also been Corey Revis, an illustrator and comic creator. You can find me on Twitter at the Eaker, that's E-A-C-R, and on Instagram at Earther1, that's E-A-R-T-H-U-R underscore one. And that's where my stuff is. And I'm going to start 
uploading a lot more artwork since I am with my writers right now on my comic that I am currently working on. So mm-hmm. you'll actually start to see me a little bit more active. Yeah. I really got to post something on Twitter. <laughs> I haven't. I no, haven't you don't. <laughs> sure I do. I, I will post the most controversial video game Resident Evil take for this episode. <laughs> Resident Evil 6 is the best <laughs> game and i like that it's 40 hours long i think yep. 40 hours is a good amount of hours hey, for Cap- a survival horror hey, experience Cap- hey capcom I- i'm tired of this real more realistic thing that you're doing with like all the like resident evil 7 and everything no let's not do that let's go back to resident evil 6 where is wesker and tell me the God entire story tell me the entire Fucking story wesker. of how like where Wesker is right now in terms of Resident Evil Resident Evil Seven, where has where is Wesker right now? You know, because if, we see that the company is still there. Chris is there, which means Wesker does exist in this universe. Where is Wesker? I want to know. Give me an entire game on this. I gotta say, if Hunk isn't on screen, I'm like, where's <laughs> Hunk? What's Hunk up to right now? Fucking Hunk. He's just a, he's fucking Boba Fett. He's just a guy with a helmet. Shut up. I don't care. Wow. <laughs> wow. And okay. And that's it. <laughs> okay. I got right. I got to go for real for real. So, okay. Uh, yes. I'll talk to you later. All right. I'll talk to you later, buddy. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. <laughs>